Welcome back to another episode of Ask Dr. E. Today's question comes from Fred. Hello, Dr. E. My question centers around the Holy Spirit. Given the diversity of conflicting views, what is the correct view? (laughs) Is the baptism of the Holy Spirit separate from regeneration? When the word says, quote, be ye filled, is this one filling of possibly many? What can we expect of the Holy Spirit as comforter? You know, why didn't someone say, like, what's the best hamburger? (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's not a biblical or theological question. Oh, we could figure that out. (laughs) Great question. I love the diversity of conflicting views. We couldn't say that more succinctly and profoundly. So I'm not going to tell you it's the correct view, but I am going to tell you this is what I think Scripture is clearly teaching That's a fine distinction, but I hope you understand what I'm saying. First of all, let's go back to the new covenant that we were promised the Holy Spirit would indwell the believer in the new covenant. So this promise of the person of the Trinity that was not going to be like the Old Testament who would come and go, you were filled and then not filled. In Acts chapter 1 and 2, we have the record of the apostles waiting for the Holy Spirit. Jesus said to wait until the Holy Spirit comes. And in Acts 1-8, we read, and this is Luke recording Christ's words, you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in both Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the remotest part of the earth. So they're waiting now. Pentecost has happened. It's 49 days and change. And then we have the first church born. And when the church is born in Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, there's this noise like a violent wind it filled the whole house and anyway the holy spirit comes upon them and it says it appeared to them tongues as of fire and i will take a very clear line on this this isn't like the methodist or pictures of a flame on a person's head or a dove on a head the text says it's resting it's coming like a fire. So the comparison is the way fire would spread, it would move, for example. And this word is glossia. The word for tongue here is glossia. Later, we're going to read about dialects. In chapter 2, verse 4, they were all filled Mm -hmm. with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. And again, the word tongue there is glossolaeus. Now, every other time this is mentioned in chapter two, when the sound occurred and they hear each other in their own language, it's the word dialectos. Each one was speaking in his own language. This is so often missed. And there are 13 to 16 different people groups, Parthians, Medes, Eliamites, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, Libya, on and on it goes. So what's happening here is they've been indwelt by the Holy Spirit So I speak Italian, you speak German. I'm speaking Italian. And I hear German. And you're hearing German. Yeah. That's what was happening. Not some glossa, charismatic language. language. That that comes later in discussion and debate in 1 Corinthians. So the sign of the Holy Spirit's indwelling was this dialectos. And of course, the people mock them and they say, are they all drunk, basically? Right. Well, think about it. If you're watching the United Nations and they're all talking in their mother tongue, carrying on a conversation, it would sound crazy. Yeah. It would make no sense. There's no interpreter. That was the miracle. So the Holy Spirit. Now, the point back to Fred's question is filling. They were filled. Yeah. All filled. Yeah. 
It didn't talk about amount or more fillings, so forth. Now, we do get into the discussion in church practices about the filling of the Holy Spirit, and we've even sung some contemporary songs about fill me with your spirit. So let's go to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, and this is one of my favorite passages on this subject, and most people don't ever look at it. Paul is saying, now, do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. So the word here, filled with the Holy Spirit, is not a command, an imperative, be filled with, in the sense of get more of him poured into you. Okay. It's to be controlled by. So the word in Greek, if I am filled with something, that thing is controlling me. And Paul gives a great illustration. Don't be drunk with wine. So if I take a glass of wine. It's not that you're filled with wine. You're being controlled, controlled if you exactly. drink too much. Bingo. If I overdo, yeah. I drink too much, I'm no longer in control. control, but the alcohol is controlling me. So we see a quiet, demure man become a fighter when he's drunk, yeah. angry, loud, and boisterous. Yeah. That's not who he normally is. Right. He's now intoxicated. So what's Paul saying? Don't be controlled by an external substance that you consume that makes you out of control. Rather, be controlled by the Holy Spirit who indwells you. And that really comes down to submission to the Spirit's work in your life. It's not something we can increase or pour in more or do these things that we're more controlled by the Holy Spirit. Okay, when we're saved, Scripture says we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. But there's conversation in Acts specifically, we talk about people might receive the good news and as you might say, place their trust in Christ, their faith in Christ, but then they receive an outpouring of the Holy Spirit or the baptism of the Holy Spirit later. So when do you receive the Holy Spirit? Is it twice? Is it once? Well, and this is what the charismatic, neo-charismatic uh, Pentecostal movement has been teaching and debating for decades, even within their own spheres. I think scripture is clear the moment of conversion, you're indwelt by the Spirit, Acts chapter 2. They're filled. Now, we must acknowledge there are three different scenarios in Acts where the Holy Spirit comes at, quote, a different time. And when I teach the book of Acts, I use these two diamonds, and I talk about we're going from law to grace to Jew to Gentile, yep. you know, so forth. So one of the things we have to understand is, Take, for example, John's disciples, they haven't even heard if there is a Holy Spirit. Hmm. So they've believed in John's message. We conclude, I think, carefully and safely, they believed in Jesus, but they don't know about the Holy Spirit. Interesting. So then they are baptized with the Holy Spirit. The imagery of baptized with fire is the one that sometimes will become a secondary or tertiary, that there are actually three, some charismatic oh, yeah. groups will talk about four baptisms. Oh, wow. One of them means you have to speak in tongues oh, yes. or you're not saved. Uh -huh. Now, I think that's a far stretch, and I think they're also taking those pericopes, those stories in the bigger story, out of Acts, out of context completely. Uh -huh. But the pattern becomes, and you mentioned sealed in Ephesians chapter 1, which, again, so much simple clear teaching here, but we don't like it. <laughs> so we so we push against it about election, predestination, adoption yeah. of sons, yeah. etc. But you said it. After listening to the message of the truth, having believed you were sealed, the word sfragizo, 
And the word there is sealed with a view to redemption. So it's one and done. So you heard it, you believed it, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit promise. The other thing that I think is practical in thinking about spiritual warfare, which I think is a question we'll get to later, is demon possession and demon oppression and demon harassment. One of the questions that's not often discussed, because we'd rather talk about you know demonic nonsense and true evil demonic stuff, rather than say, if the Holy Spirit resides in you, he's not going to really want another demon hanging around. Yeah, there's not like room in the end. Right. It's a good way to say it. Yeah. So theologically, those are juxtaposed. You know, no, you can't be a believer in Jesus Christ and then dwelt by the Spirit of God and be demon possessed. Now, we can talk about that for another to ask Dr. E, but the end of this discussion is a very important question. I think when you add these things to the unintended consequences, mean I have to do something else yeah. to be saved. Yeah. And that's where the danger lies, Fred, because if you're not filled, if you don't speak in tongues, look at the fruit of the Spirit. In Galatians, he says, the deeds of the flesh are evident. It's obvious when you're a sinner, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, and then all the explanations of that. And then he's going to talk about walking by the Spirit, submitting to the Spirit, so it's a complex study in that we over-spiritualize it. I think the text is pretty clear, and it's always good to lean on the plain sense of the passage, that the moment you trust Christ, the moment you put your faith in him, you have come to faith in Christ, you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And our goal then is to submit to him and to submit to his control in our conscience, in our witness, in the way we read the Bible, that's being controlled by the Spirit. So perhaps a good daily prayer, instead of something like, Lord, refill me today or fill me with your spirit today, it's, Lord, help me submit to you yeah, today, yeah. your guidance, Amen. your spirit. We're over time, but I do want to tack this on because Fred asked this specifically, what can we expect of the Holy Spirit as comforter? Because that is a one role or one way that we see the Holy Spirit. I love the God's word, God's spirit, and God's people, three-legged stool of Christian life. I think until... And unless we're in the Word on an ongoing basis, until we're asking God's Spirit to help us understand, apply, and implement it to our life, we're really limping along. So when Jesus gave the Holy Spirit in John, the parakaleo, the one who will come alongside you and remind you of all that I've said. Now, he doesn't remind you and me of all that he said like he did the disciples. So we have to differentiate. But the role of the paraclete back to the new covenant was to fill us so we didn't have to depend upon this, the Holy Spirit coming and going and coming and going. What's it saying? I'm not being controlled by him. Yeah. So now that he is my permanent roommate, I'm submitting to him. And it begins with our exposure to the word of God, which is the mind of God in print. And then when you stop on that verse and it convicts you or it encourages you or whatever, you go, Lord, help me embrace this, help me to be controlled by this truth that I have read. And I think that's how he comforts us. It is a complicated subject because we don't traffic in the language of the spirit comforting us. It's a little out of the norm of what we talk about. 
Well, if you've got a question, call or text us 615-281-9694, or you can email us at question at michaelincontext.com. Ask Dr. E is part of the Michael Easley in Context ministry. You can find more shows and biblical resources at michaelincontext.com. Ask Dr. E is produced by me, mixed and mastered by Sonamorphic, and music composed by Jason Germain. <laughs>